I'm Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trim. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Well, OU is back in the win column, courtesy of a dominating 59-20 victory against West Virginia. We'll talk about Dylan Gabriel's historic day, Drake Stoops' big day, and yes, his post-touchdown spike of the football. Another goal line stand by the Sooner defense and what it could all mean going forward. But first, we want to say thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. The Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association, MidFirst Bank, NextGen Roofing, Two Fellows Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, 988 Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just doesn't work like they used to. Nobody wants to help you move, but we know two fellas that love moving. At Two Fellows Moving Company, we offer free, no-strings quotes for your move. With more than 20 years' experience, we pretty much moved it all. Our services don't end up moving either. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? We have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, quotes are free and there's no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellows.com for your free quote today. All right, Barry, let's talk about that Sooner victory on Saturday. You were uh, away covering OSU in Florida. I was in Norman, though, and this was a bounce back for the Sooners, obviously, after uh, a couple of disappointing losses. losses. They limited penalties. They only had the one turnover. It was pedal to the metal throughout. But what do you like most about what you saw out of the Sooners on Saturday? I liked a whole bunch of stuff, but number one on the list, the offensive explosion. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm starting to become a true believer on the cultural change with Brent Venables in the defense. I think he has uh, – that defense has taken root. It, it is going to be a good defense. It might already be a good defense. We'll see how good. But with that, the offense has, has been hit and miss, uh, come and go, a little bit stagnant. There was nothing stagnant about Saturday night in Norman. Uh, the explosion, uh, the run game with Saw, uh, Gavin Sawchuk, the throw game with Dylan Gabriel. Sooners moved up and down the field against not a great defense, but a decent defense in West Virginia. I thought that was a very good sign uh, for the Sooners moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk more about that offense in a sec. But, yeah, I mean, I think the offense was definitely the – uh, area of the uh, of the Sooner team that people were most interested to see what they would do. And, you know, West Virginia has been the surprise of the league this year. Uh, they were picked to finish last. And so that team, you know, to have had the success that they had, I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion that the Sooners would win, first of all, but to win that decisively was definitely not in the things that seemed uh, entirely feasible heading into that game. But, you know, touchdown after touchdown, I think the fact that the Offense kept the foot on the pedal. And then I think the the fact that the defense, they gave a touchdown up right away. West Virginia comes down, marches down the field quick, efficient, 75-yard uh, touchdown score in eight plays. And, you know, you thought, okay, shootout ensues. But the defense really bowed up. And from that point, uh, they only allowed about four yards a, a play, which it was a huge improvement after that opening drive. So I think the fact that the defense was able to rally quickly, but the offense was able to to keep powering ahead and not, you know, no back off. There was no sort of conservative nature. I thought that was really important. And then all the things, you know, it had six turnovers in those two losses, Barry, three against Kansas and three against OSU. 
turn the ball over that much and you're likely to lose ball games. So I think better attention to detail was, was a welcome change, but that offense, um, <laughs> I mean, Jeff Lebby, obviously a lot of criticism, Dylan Gabriel criticism. Have they got back in the good graces of Sooner fans, Barry, or is, uh, is that fleeting as well? All right, let's, uh, let's separate them. Uh, permission to separate the uh, court cases, Your Honor. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, yes, he's back in the good graces. Quarterbacks can get back in the good graces much more quickly than can offensive coordinators. And the truth is, um, you know, only somebody with a really bad attitude could lay too much at Dylan Gabriel's feet in, in uh, losses at KU and OSU. Uh, Jeff Lebby, uh, probably not in the good graces. Uh, offensive coordinators, if, uh, if they're not scoring 50-something points a game, if they're not setting NCAA records, uh, they don't stay in the good graces of fans. So I'm going to say Lebby not in the good graces of fans, but it was a great day for Lebby, and it reminded you that, hey, the guy knows offense. The guy can produce uh, quality uh, units. He, uh, he, he has the trust of his guys. You know, uh, um, you and Garen and, and Eli uh, sort of, I thought, well captured the mood of the night and the, the spirit of the of uh, of the game in terms of just the big sigh of relief and the coming together and the celebration of uh, Gabriel and Levy together and, and reminding each other and reminding 85,000 there and ever how many watching on the tube. Hey, they've been, they played well before. They'll play well again. This is a potent duo. So uh, I thought it was a great night for both guys. Uh, probably didn't win Levy, uh, win over a bunch of fans for Levy, but um, probably did for Gabriel. Can I ask a question about offensive coordinators? Because in this state, whether it's OU or OSU, offensive coordinator is by far the most criticized. I suppose head coach from time to time, but really offensive coordinator. In this era of high-scoring offenses, which we you know saw come into vogue at OU when Bob Stoops brought in Mike Leach, continued high-flying, came in at OSU uh, with Todd Munkin and, and uh, Dana Holgerson and that, that crew. So offensive coordinators get criticized in this state more than any other coach. Is it like that everywhere else? Or, or you know, in a place like Alabama or Georgia, when your defense is really good, does the defensive coordinator get criticized? I don't know, but it, I mean, was it founded with, with Levy and the OU offense? I'm not saying it wasn't. They were very up and down, uh, didn't sort of attack, but but uh, is that just here, Barry? Or, or, or if we went to, I don't know, somewhere else, would we be like, oh, this is what it's like for a defensive coordinator to get criticized? <laughs> Two words for you. Pete Golding. Pete Golding was Nick Saban's longtime defensive coordinator. He took over after, um, after Kirby Smart went back to Georgia. Uh, do you know where Pete Golding is today? He's the defensive Not coaching coordinator at, Bama. at Ole Miss. Uh, <laughs> Alabama eventually got tired of him, and, and uh, the fans uh, were howling, and eventually Nick Saban said, okay, let's, let's move on down the road. Uh, the Sooners have – Sooners have criticized Galen Hall and Mac Brown and Jim Donnan and, and Larry Coker. Larry Coker produced one of the world's greatest offenses here at OSU in 1988, and uh, four years later, he's uh, fired at OSU, uh, fired by OU. So um, it's a it's a case of uh, uh, people are fickle, fans are fickle. Eventually, coaches sometimes make a move, sometimes they stick with them. You know. Uh, Barry Switzer uh, never fired an offensive coordinator uh, with the Sooners. I'm trying to think and make sure that's right. That is right. 
Um, uh, Galen Hall moved on to Florida eventually, but um, yeah, no, it goes with the territory, uh, particularly on offense, particularly in this part of the country. Um, you just see that uh, it's especially following Lincoln Riley, right? I mean, Lincoln set a standard that not even the wishbone people had, had met. Um, he set uh, that phenomenal offense from 15 through 21, seven years. So very high standard for Jeff Levy or anybody else to meet. Um, I thought he did a, a solid job last year. I think he's doing a solid job this year. I don't think he's a bad offensive coordinator. He's fairly young. He's going to get better. And I thought he was really good on Saturday night in conjunction with, with Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. So let's talk about Gabriel for a second. Eight touchdowns, five passing, three rushing. Sooner had never done that before, accounted for eight touchdowns. It's never happened in the history of OU football. What'd you like most about Dylan Gabriel on Saturday? Well, I thought his passing was really pinpoint. Um, and I liked his toughness as always. Um, he just seemed to play with confidence. Um, you know, we we've, we talk about a bedlam hangover for Oklahoma State. We've talked about a Texas hangover for OU in the week in the week after uh, winning in Dallas. Um, but in uh, this is sort of the opposite of that. This is a guy coming from low, coming from emotional, uh, dis not despair, but e emotional come downs and. And just not feeling great, and saying, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do something about it." And I just thought he was spectacular, and um, just uh, you know, if if you looked at the Oklahoma quarterbacks of the last seven eight years, he ranks near the bottom. But that's not an indictment of Dylan Dylan Gabriel. That's a uh, an acknowledgement of how great the Sooner quarterbacks have been, and he's a really good quarterback. He's going to be the All Big Twelve quarterback. He's got himself back in, I think, um, in contention for Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. I still think it's Ollie Gordon's award to lose, but it's not a runaway anymore. So I think Gabriel is – it was a, it was an historic night, and I really, really sort of uh, salute him because I thought he was just sensational. And speaking of sensational um, – I don't know what we're going to do with Fred Belentnikov, uh, otherwise known as Drake Stoops, but uh, he just keeps producing crazy games and crazy numbers and just uh, 184 yards uh, receiving, three touchdowns. This is stuff we haven't seen out of somebody since, uh, since C.D. Lamb. What to make of this sixth-year Drake Stoops becoming a star all of a sudden? Yeah, it's been impressive. And obviously, when Andrew Anthony went down, I think people were wondering who would step into the void. And, you know, the candidates on that list were likely Nick Anderson, uh, Jaden Gibson, um, those type of guys. And, you know, they've been good. There's no doubt about it. But um, Nick Anderson, especially, still catching touchdown passes. Um, so he's definitely a guy that is, uh, you know, performing at a high level but no sooner receivers performing at the level that Drake Stoops is right now. And frankly, I don't know if there's any receiver in the Big 12. I'd have to think about it for a minute, but I don't think there's any Big 12 receiver. His numbers are nationally ranked top five in a lot of categories. So, um, yeah, not only scoring, but getting into the end zone. His 60-yard touchdown catch on a Saturday was really, I thought, an impressive play. He catches it um, right around the 40. So he's extremely short of scoring. 
you know, beelines down the sideline, eludes a tackler as he gets into the, the red zone, and then at about the five makes contact with a couple of would-be tacklers. They grab at him. He still pushes forward, and then ultimately he gets pulled into the end zone by a teammate at kind of the last minute to, to sort of win that skirmish. But it was a heck of a play, and, uh, you know, I, I think when it comes to awards, he's definitely – First team all conference, um, you know he's up for the uh, Burlesworth Award, which is given to the best walk on uh, in the country. I I would have to look at the other walk ons that are out there, but can't imagine any that are having quite the impact he's having. I mean, I think he's I think he's going to win some awards this year, and he deserves to. Um, you know, I we got to talk about the spike, Barry. I thought it was great fun. I love when guys celebrate touchdowns. I love. The uh, off the top of the head ones. I love the choreographed ones. But if you spike the football, you're going to get flagged in college football. I still think it was fun. It was worth it. But you knew he was going to get flagged for that. Well, it's no different than a defensive end jumping off sides two seconds before the ball is snapped and is in the backfield all by himself. I mean, there's no, there's no decision. The ref doesn't say, hey, go back to your side of the field. He just throws the flag. It's automatic. Uh, I did think it was cool, though, because it was old fashioned. You're way too young to remember this, Jacko. But that's the way guys used to celebrate touchdowns in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they wouldn't do elaborate uh, uh, theatrical productions. They wouldn't get props. They'd just get in the end zone and just slam the ball into the ground as quick as they could. It was uh, really cool. Uh, and, uh, of course, it's outlawed in college. It's an automatic penalty. But um, I, I thought it was old school. Befitting Drake Stoops, right? Yeah, definitely uh, but so. But it was also – no decision to be made. It had to be called. Uh, my favorite Drake Stoops catch, though, was the little slant where he gets where he gets whacked by the uh, West Virginia safety. Hard legal hit, fantastic hit, no problem. He hangs on to the ball. You thought he was you thought he was knocked out, maybe. Uh, and then the the Mountaineer uh, decides to step on, uh, over him, straddle him, and look at him. Uh, a little bit of posturing and pontificating, which was uh, not a cool move. But um, I just thought that was a great play to hang on to that ball, show Drake Stoops' toughness. Yeah, it was a it was a marvelous game for Drake Stoops. Yeah, he said the wind kind of got knocked out of him. Uh, you know, got hit pretty hard right right in the upper chest. So he said that's what the uh, the laying there in the end zone was all about. So um, let's talk defense for a second. Um, defense definitely. You know, good performance. Danny Stutzman back out there after injury had kept him out. But the Sooners decided to keep Kip Lewis on the field with Stutzman. Is this the combo that may unlock something with this defense, Barry? I mean, they played well on Saturday. Uh, I thought maybe when Stutzman came back, we'd see Kip Lewis back to the sideline. But figuring out a way to get those two on the field, is this a combo that maybe elevates this defense? Very well could. Kip Lewis has been a playmaker since he's gotten to – more action. Remember, he was the instigator of the goal line stand yeah. uh, against Texas, the first down play. He's the one that darts in. I'm pretty sure that was the first down play. Makes the tackle um, on Brooks. And just a, uh, you know, the more he's gotten to play, particularly in Stutzman's absence, been very good, was a great player in Bedlam, and then played well again Saturday. And I think what we're seeing is the Sooners moving ever so closely back to being special at linebacker, which they haven't been for a long time, used to always be. But uh, I'm not ready to give up on Jaron Kanick. Um, I think Kobe McKenzie has shown some good things. Both of those guys are young players. But when you yeah. add, put Lewis in there, 
you get the idea that, hey, this is this could be uh, something special. So uh, I think it is a very good sign. Uh, I expect Lewis to keep playing. I think, uh, you know, some guys just need the chance, and he's he's produced when he's had the chance. So I expect him to keep going and doing very well. Now, the OU defense, uh, this was not a great challenge, but don't sleep on the West Virginia offense. Garrett Green is an unconventional quarterback, not a great thrower, but for whatever reason, he's been effective this year. And WVU is having a nice year, and they've morphed from being defensive-dominated being more offensive. Remember, uh, Oklahoma State beat West Virginia 48-34. So the Mountaineers put up some points. Uh, I think they scored 41 on Central Florida. So this is a uh, this is an offense that's sort of finding its gears. And Sooners held them to 20. That's uh, that's not a dominating performance, but it's a good performance. So uh, I thought uh, con- containing Garrett Green was a very good sign for Oklahoma. Yeah, and you know, I, I think uh, the thing that stood out to me was there really were very limited times on Saturday where Garrett Green, y- you sort of held your breath. Um, he can when he when he sort of moves the pocket or rolls out, you know, you, you sort of I think if you're a defense, you have to hold your breath a little bit. And I really didn't think the Sooners allowed him to get into that mode very often, which is is a great sign. I mean, like I said earlier. They did allow a touchdown right out of the box, a pretty quick strike by that West Virginia offense. And, you know, it kind of felt like, okay, maybe this is one of those games that's, you know, 42-40 or some crazy high number score that we used to get in the Big 12. Maybe that's where we're headed. But I thought they did a good job of, of adjusting and keeping him under control. And I think that's, I think we're seeing what you said earlier about, you know, improved linebacker, elite linebacker play for OU has been so uh, absent in recent years. And I know that if they had their druthers, Kip Lewis would be about 20 pounds heavier before they threw him in there, but he's just not. I mean, they've been trying to add weight on him forever and they just decided, you know what? He goes and gets the ball and the ball seems to find him. You mentioned the fourth down uh, plays at uh, against Texas. It was the same way and the goal line stand that the Sooners had on Saturday, Barry, he was a big part of a couple of those plays. So he goes and he finds the ball. And I think that that, you know, you pair up some things and you start to think, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to shut people out. I don't think it's that kind of defensive dominance. But if they can hold teams to, you know, 20, a couple touchdowns, three touchdowns even, I think that's the kind of defense that can win you a lot of ball games in the Big 12. Now, what does it look like in the SEC? I have no idea, but they have to take these steps now so that when they are in the SEC, they're able to, to, to try to step up to that level of defense. Obviously, that's down the road. What's not down the road, Barry, though, is a game at BYU. It's an early kick. It's 11 o'clock start, 10 o'clock local time in Provo. Does a game that early present any issues in your mind if you're Brent Venables and the Sooners? Um, yes. They, uh, what kind of hors d'oeuvres will you serve at the party? That's the kind of, uh, uh, news this brought. Um, here's what this, here's what the 10 a.m. kickoff. That's what you serve. Here's what the 10 a.m. kickoff means for the Sooners. They got a chance to get home at dusk. If they got a night game in Provo, they were looking at getting home at dawn. Yeah. On a short week, they play TCU next week on Friday. It's a massive thing. Um, so, yeah, Sooners are fantastic with this. It means probably what? I don't know, 6 a.m. wake-up call. I don't know what time they'll get up. But um, 
you know, they, coaches and players like early games. They don't have to sit around all day. But when you're in Provo and it's cold and, you know, you're, you're a thousand miles from home, getting this kind of kickoff is great. They'll be fabulously pleased to play at 10 a.m. I can't remember the Sooners ever playing this early, 10 a.m. Oklahoma time. But um, it'll require a little bit of, of clock adjustment, body clock adjustment. But they will be fine with it. They'll think that's the greatest thing. Well, and truthfully, for all the people out there who there's been a lot of conspiracy theories going around about the Big 12 and, you know, what the officials are doing or not doing as it relates to the Sooners. If there was any question about conspiracy, the Big 12 offices could have given OU a 9-15 start at BYU. That's what time BYU started at its home game this last Saturday against Iowa State. I have no idea what time the Cyclones got home, but it had to have been six, seven in the morning by the time they got home from BYU. So the fact that OU gets to get home for that Friday game, a short week already, I mean, come on, the the conspiracies, that would have happened. Okay, maybe we start to talk about it. But this is this is a great kick time for OU, and it's a, it a, li- a little bit of a gift from uh, from the Big 12 and the TV partners, I think. But I, I, I think that the question then becomes, okay, you got to go to BYU. We knew that that was a, a game that, some people in Norman were a little bit skittish about because BYU at home has been good, but they've been struggling five and five this season, only two conference wins. And Barry, in their last three games, they've only managed to score 26 points combined, combined in those last three games. Oi, what kind of what kind of team are the Sooners facing on uh, Saturday? They're facing a team that has always been, de- for the last couple of years, been heavily defensive oriented, was this year, hung in there with some games, uh, but just couldn't get the offense going. And now the defense has crashed just under the weight of all the responsibility. Uh, the Brigham Young offense is a, is a ghost of its former self from the days we remember with Jim McMahon and Mark Wilson and, and uh, Steve Young yeah. and Robbie Bosco and, and Detmer and all those guys. That's not Brigham Young anymore. Uh, they're trying to get it back, but um, – this is yeah. This is a team that has fallen and probably not going to get up. Just can't score enough to keep up, and um, just uh, it's going to have to try to hold the Sooners down to a fairly low score to win this game, and that's probably not going to happen. So, a good, great setup for the Sooners. Two months ago, before the season, you thought, "Ooh, Provo, late November, difficult assignment." Not so much now. I, I think. I think this will be a very nice, uh, uh, comfortable win for the Sooners due to the circumstances and the trajectory of the two teams. Well, we'll get to score predictions in a second, but Barry, this is my first game in Provo. You've been out there for a, a football game before. I know I'm looking forward to just the setting. I hear so much about how the fans are so nice and so great. So I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a heck of an experience. What, tell, me, tell me something that I need to pay attention to on Saturday as it relates to game day at BYU. Two things that I'll come to mind. First, the setting is fabulous. It's in the Wasatch Mountains. We all love the Colorado setting. Uh, much more mountainous setting, much more mountainous view in, uh, in uh, Provo than in Boulder or even in Morgantown, another mountain setting. This is, uh, you look out over, over the Wasatch Mountains, they got the big Y on the side of the mountain. It's just a spectacular view. Um, and the other thing is the people are nice. If you're going to the game, now it'll be f- cold. It'll be 40s. Uh, but uh, free ice cream, free ice cream for the visitors. Um, 
provided by uh, Brigham Young University. So dress warm and uh, await your ice cream and uh, know that you're going to be in good hands. You're not going to you're not going to get a ton of of trash talking. Uh, probably uh, not a lot of reason for BYU to be uh, trash talking anyway, but I think it's a pretty hospitable place. I think people will enjoy it if you're going to the game. Utah is a cool state, very scenic, and Brigham Young setting at Lavelle Edwards Stadium certainly meets that criteria. Do you have a score prediction, Barry? Yeah, I'm going to go Sooners big. I think I'll say 37-10. Uh, big game for Zach Schmidt. I'm going to say I'm going to say Zach Schmidt back on the back on the horse with three field goals. It is a little bit uh, rarer air up there. Maybe that uh, higher elevation will get him going. Yeah. Get some long ones, Brent. Give him some long ones. I'll go I'll go a little higher for the Sooners. I'm going 41-14 uh, Sooners on Saturday in Provo. I think it is going to be a good day for OU football. But that's all the time we've got this week. Remember, OU goes to BYU 11 a.m. Oklahoma time on Saturday. Barry and I and our sellout crowd team will be there. Plus, we'll have all sorts of OU content this week at selloutcrowd.com. You can find our content also at barrytrammell.com and jenny-carlson.com. If this happens to be your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.